Going Linux episode 450, Linux Year in Review. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, you can send us an email. GoingLinux at gmail.com is the email address. And our voicemail line is one 904 468 in today's episode, Linux Year in Review. Hello, Bill. Hey, Larry. How was your holidays? <laughs> very, very good. Welcome back from the holidays. And welcome back to our audience. Yes. Uh, who was very quiet over the holidays. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, they're playing with all the new tech. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, I think. Yeah, that and busy with family and all that other good stuff. And I know there are other holidays in other parts of the world, so don't give me that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a North America thing. Well, All you, right. I do have, I do have to ask because it's, it's really a requirement. Did you get any new mm-hmm. tech? Uh, let's see. I got a new NVMe drive, but I've already mentioned that. I got that before Christmas. I actually didn't get anything significant. Let me check my desk here and see if there's anything on here that I haven't thought about in a while. New arrangement of my stuff on my desk. But other than that, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. How about you? I actually, uh, yes, I did. But it's uh, it's not what you'd call uh, super advanced. <laughs> uh, I got a... Um, kit to make a da vinci clock based based on it's it's not very big it's uh i haven't even started yet Uh, i just because it has all the little parts and stuff but it's uh based on design by leonardo da vinci and i had seen this and a friend of mine had uh, saw the uh, kit and said oh yeah, I think you'll have a good time. So I haven't had that uh, chance to put it together yet, but it's all run by weights uh, and levers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I know that's it's. Can we call that retro tech? <laughs> sure, sure. So I got some. Yeah, ret- no, that's cool. I got some retro tech, and uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm going uh, when I have time. It's you know right after the holidays and New Year. I, kind of busy at work so i really haven't had time i need to sit down and and you know clear uh, a section of the desk so i can get get all the pieces out and and put it together so but well, that uh, sounds good so physically how big is this thing uh it's uh about the size of um a cuckoo clock yeah yeah it's it's probably maybe it would be as tall as like a 17-inch monitor, uh, I guess. Mm, okay. It's not going to yeah. be super huge. It's just kind of tall for all the yeah. weights and stuff. But, yeah, once I uh, once I get it put together and it works, uh, I'll, I'll uh, have to uh, 
send you a picture of it. It, yeah. yeah, it's just uh, a fun little project. Um, and, um, uh, I just thought it'd be kind of cool. So they, yeah. we, I don't know how we, uh, they found out that I was looking for one, but I, I might have said, Hey, look at that pretty cool clock. <laughs> and, and they found it and they, uh, bought the kit for me. And so it's very like, nice. Yeah. And then the other thing is I've been playing a lot of Starfield. Thank you, Beth- Bethesda. <laughs> on Linux and that you know so it's kind of been kind of fun I've been dying a lot and flying ships into things but yeah it's been been kind of fun so other than that between work and eating lots of good food uh, I've I haven't uh, done too much so yeah yeah I know it's the holidays so I do have to say I did get a new piece of tech but we okay. can we can thank the uh, little Dotson puppy, whose name is mm-hmm. Loki, who chewed up my headset. <laughs> so it's a replacement headset. Okay. <laughs> yes, he. Uh, I, I I woke up to hearing crunch, 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 and I look over and he had pretty much crunched it into little pieces. <laughs> and I'm like. It's it's that's all me. I should have left um left him out of his reach. So, but yeah. apparently I uh, didn't, and I um, got to replace him. And uh, so yeah, um, Loki the God of Mischief, and he is definitely a Loki. <laughs> Golly. Anyway, so that was my only. That wasn't the kind of new tech I wanted, but hey, okay. <laughs> So what's on tap for today, Bill? Yeah, last year, um, this is not an inclusive all, you know, every news story. This is just ones that have caught my attention over 2023. Now I wanted to talk about it. Not going to be a three-hour episode then, okay. No, 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 no. Uh, How about this? Welcome to our Linux Year in Review uh, show. We're going to cover some Linux news and goings on in the open source world. So it's not just going to be about Linux. It's going to be about stuff that might have changed or whatever. So the first story is a pretty cool one. The Indian Defense Ministry adopted, and I'm sure I'm going to murder this, uh, Maya OS to enhance cybersecurity and reduce dependence on foreign software. The new operating system is based on Ubuntu. That, and it's going to replace Microsoft Windows. So it's kind of okay. interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, the name um, Maya OS is derived from Sanskrit, and it means illusion. So apparently this thing uh, can create like disruptive layers of protection uh, for the defense ministry's computers and, and, and hiding them from cyber attacks. <laughs> so... Uh, okay. Yeah, it seems to be pretty cool. Uh, they started rolling this out uh, at the very end of 2022, and, and they finished it in like 2023. But uh, I, I ran across this uh, earlier, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And what the big thing was is that they kept getting attacked, and right now there's like the three defense branches that are using it. But you know, if it works well that they're going to um, probably move it to other parts of the government. But they wanted to be able to control, uh, and here's this thing that, that's always interesting. 
and look at the source code and make sure that there's nothing nefarious going on. Uh, you can't quite do that with Microsoft Windows. You just got to kind of take their word for it. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. And uh, we know how reliable Microsoft is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the blanks. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So is this Maya or Maya OS uh, available to the public? I mean, is it is it really open source or is it a proprietary adaptation of uh, Ubuntu? Okay, so I heard that you can download it. I wasn't able to find it because I can't read uh, the language. I included uh, the link to the Defense Ministries page where you supposedly one, one of the links will let you uh, download it and look at it, but I couldn't find it, and I wasn't going to sit there and click around stuff. You know, my luck, I'd end up sending a missile over to my house or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's. I heard it's available. If any of our listeners can find it, um, I hear some people that have actually seen it and use it, and they say it. They got it where it resembles Microsoft Windows, so the. It, it's just easy for everybody to use it. I mean, the, the interface they don't have a problem with. It's all the stuff of not being able to control, uh, you know, when it's updated and uh, if there's anything hidden in the code. And yeah, you uh, just can't tell with Windows, right? Yeah, yeah. and if you know, if you using that to control or you know your defense ministry. I can understand why uh, being able to look at the code and make the changes uh, or 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 keep anything from changing uh, is important. So I thought it was a pretty cool story, and uh, uh, apparently it's working well so far. Um, okay, that's news, new news to me, even though it's probably old news to those who follow that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, well, this next one I did hear about. Um, the Vim originator and founder passed away. Vim, of course, is a, a text editor for the terminal. And Bram Molinar, I think is how you would pronounce his name. And if not, I apologize. Uh, he's He was the creator and maintainer uh, and benevolent dictator for life of Vim, a Vi derivative text editor, as it's called. And he passed away on August 3rd, 2023, at the age of 62. And we'll have a Wikipedia link in the show notes. Yeah. Have you used Vim? I have tried to use Vim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used it for about, well, I don't know, about 15 minutes. And uh. That did it for me. I thought graphical text editors are simple, but they'll work. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really sad to hear about uh, Bram. I, you know, like I said, I know there's some people that love them. Um, I've tried using it once or twice, and I'm like, uh, no, I never thank you. <laughs> but uh, that, but you know, other people have probably taken that work and and build upon it and stuff. So I was really sad to hear about um, his passing. So the next, our next story is about a Linux distribution, Larry. 
that is becoming mm-hmm. popular, and it's called NixOS. Now, I want to say it's not a new user-friendly Linux distribution. I'm putting this story in the show for some of our more technical listeners. I I started playing with it myself, but there seems to be a lot of increasing demand for Nix engineers. And the, mm-hmm. th- the thing with Nix engineers is that um, even though the project's been around for like 20 years, it's now just finally coming to fruition or people are starting to notice it. Everything's done uh, via uh, like a, a one text file. So all the, it's different than most um, Linux distributions. You're able to reproduce the same system by via um, a text file. So you'll be, you could have, you know, it's reproducible every time. So I think that's why there's a lot of companies that would want to use something like this. And so they need Nix engineers. And since there's not a lot of people that know how to use Nix and get it set up, that, hey, maybe one of our more technical listeners can pick up some work. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so immutable operating system is kind of what they call it, right? Yeah, the, the uh, now I'm not the expert on Nix. I just started playing with it not too long ago. But I believe you can't call it, they, they do call it immutable, the developers. I think that's maybe not quite um, the best uh, term for it, but we're going to go with it because uh, uh, they, they do things uh, different from like, you know, you, you've heard of uh, Fedora Silver Blue and some of the other mm-hmm. immutable. They do things differently, but they there is a, par- a part of how the, the system's set up that it's, it's you know, you're not messing with the base um, um, OS. You're, you're, you're doing everything by this config file. And so you're able to reproduce it. And what's what I think everybody uh, has been talking about is once you fix a problem in this config file, you're done. You don't have to keep fixing it. So once it's in your config file and you get it all hammered out, then you should be able to take that, your Nix config and reproduce it just using the config file and other people can share their config files with you. It's, it's pretty genius, uh, but it's different. And I know there's some technical challenges that, you know, people have trying to learn it, but apparently it's becoming more and more popular in, in, uh, the IT industry. And Hey, if you make money with, you know, working with Linux and, and, uh, <laughs> why not, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to throw out out there because we have some smart people, <laughs> smart. Yeah, than me. absolutely. Well, um, yeah, interesting stuff. I have certainly heard about it. There's been a lot of talk about it on uh, Linux podcasts and elsewhere, and it seems very interesting to me. If I had more time, I would uh, spend some time and learn it, but I don't, so I haven't. I'm actually doing it. I have. I have. Uh... Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's not working yet, but I've I've already started playing with it. So, shh, ah, don't cool. Tell Let us know how it goes. Okay, yeah. we'll keep it a secret. Okay, keep it under wraps until the <laughs> big reveal. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. This next story, um, this past year, 
Twitter has become X. So now, now that we've figured out that it's not twitting and it's not twit, it's, it's tweeting. Uh, now we have to figure out, is it Xing or is it posting or what is it we're doing in X? So <laughs> there's been a lot of drama, a change of ownership and other changes to the platform. So if you're looking for another social network with, you know, drama, uh, <laughs> there's an open source platform called Mastodon. It doesn't have um, the same drama that uh, Twitter, now known as X, does. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's out there. It's called Mastodon. And uh, you can uh, join that as a social network. Now, bear in mind, it's, it, and this may be a good thing, it's not going to have all of the um, um, non-techie folks it's not that there's not non-techie folks on Macedon. It's just that more of the kind of people that would adopt uh, open source software would be on Macedon than would be on uh, uh, Twitter now called X. And by the way, if you want to know what you're doing on Macedon, it's not donning, it's not masting, it's tooting. <laughs> how do they come up? How do they come up with these names? Anyway, I yeah. don't know. Well, <laughs> Enough. I've been using Mastodon, and um, it's it's kind of fun. It's it's you're you're right. It is more techy, <laughs> but uh, it's I don't see all the drama in you know since it's open source and you know it's uh, federated and people can have more control over their data and not some big uh, company or uh, person who owns one person who owns a company, uh, you, you can run across some good uh, uh, information in Mastodon. So if you just I was never a big Twitter or tweeting or whatever, you know. Yeah, uh, me neither. It, yeah, I, you know. So, but I do, uh, I do like to follow some Linux uh, and tech uh, subjects and some certain people like uh, Wimpy's on there. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, some of the Ubuntu. What was the Martin is on there? Um, mm-hmm. And so Joe Joe, uh, yeah Joe Ressington, I think is how you say it. Um, yeah. So he, you know, I always like following him. So yeah, you know, following people that you know I find interesting, and uh, so yeah, I've quite enjoyed that. Well, okay, that's. Uh... That's good to know that um, many of the same people that I have been following in various places uh, are there, and you've been following them as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, try Macedon if you just want to follow some of uh, these people. Wimpy is pretty impressive, I tell you what. Um, but uh, enough. Uh, I don't want to give Wimpy a big head. So, <laughs> not that he listened. So, Larry, I'm going to tell you, say, Rhino Linux. Mm-hmm. And... Don't know anything about it. Okay. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. A little bit. A little bit. It's rolling Rhino, right? <laughs> so, uh, if you're looking for a rolling release of Ubuntu, Rhino Linux might be something you want to look at. It is rumored that we will see a Ubuntu 
that they'll have an official version of this year of a rolling release uh Ubuntu. Um but until then you you have Rhino and it might just fit the need. So yeah, I would uh if you're looking for some Ubuntu goodness that just you know is constantly updated, you might want to look at it. Uh, I, I, yeah, they do things a little differently. I don't know if it's really. I wouldn't say it's super new user friendly, uh, especially if someone just come over and started using Linux. I would say um, maybe this was more intermediate to uh, advanced in certain areas. I would, you know, I would definitely suggest going with Ubuntu Mate or something like that if you're brand new. And uh, once you get your your feet wet and get more comfortable, then you can look at some of these. But I, I, I've, it's pretty cool. It's uh, a, you know, interesting idea. So it's Arch, it, <laughs> end up using Ubuntu, and I don't know quite quite understand that, but okay. Yeah. So my first introduction to a rolling release was with Linux Mint when they uh, first introduced a rolling. Um, release of of that particular distribution of Linux, and it was a little bit too rolling for me, too out there on the bleeding edge. Um, things routinely broke, and that's to be expected with a uh, rolling release. And maybe things have gotten a little bit better in terms of ensuring that uh, updates to applications don't break when they. Uh, they are first introduced into a distribution, but that's part of the reason for long-term support uh, releases of various Linux distributions is so that those um, issues can be ironed out before the general public gets them. (laughs) And uh, that's just not been done with a rolling release. So if you are going to try it out, expect things to not work properly, have a few extra bugs than they would normally have, uh, or completely break uh, until they've been ironed out. And in my experience with the Linux Mint rolling release, it's a bit annoying, or at least it was to me. Uh, But if that's what you're looking for, if you want to be on the very bleeding edge of things, a rolling release is a great way to go. And I'd encourage you to try out Rolling Rhino Linux. Okay, now I'm going to disagree with you in a little bit here. I okay. Love, <laughs> I uh, I like uh, uh, the rolling release idea. I think uh, Manjaro. Oh, I like the idea. Don't get me wrong. I like the idea. I just wish it was a little bit more stable. Yeah, Manjaro doesn't. It's not as bleeding edge. But they uh, they do hold pack some packages back for quality testing. Not saying you know any any update to Linux can break it. But when I was sure. run, when I was running Manjaro, I did not have any breakages uh, except when I uh, did not update for like a month, and then it didn't really appreciate it too much um, because I was busy and I just left it sitting there and it could have also been that i let the battery die in the laptop when i was running but i'm not going to say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay manjaro was uh very stable i know people uh in arch um they like um, 
I like Arch in a certain own, uh, as they make it easier, and, uh, and we're going to be discussing a, a new Arch for beginners uh, later in the show. So, I don't know. I like the idea, um, but I, I see what you're saying. If you want something that's going to work, then LTS is probably what you want. You don't want something that you have to continually update. Right, absolutely. And don't get me wrong, the rolling releases, generally speaking, the distribution itself is pretty stable. It's the packages because they're introducing new uh, versions of the packages as they are released with minimal uh, testing, just enough to make sure that they will install properly and generally speaking, they will work with the expectation that maybe some of the features aren't fully implemented in a new release of a package. Package for those uninitiated in Linux is a software package, so yeah. the applications, in other words. So there you go. So you probably don't want uh, that uh, to be flying your airplane in, during an update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So... Our next story is one that's been all over the internet, and it's when Red Hat was in news after they changed how they allow the use of the source code for their uh, RHEL, their commercial product, um, Enterprise Linux compatible. There was other distributions that were using the source code from it and just repackaging it and putting their logos and stuff on it. And so I guess Red Hat said, uh, no, you need to use the uh, a different base. Um, you can still download it and, and you look at source code, but it's got limitations. I think you only can, you know, you can't use, you can't take the source code uh, from their enterprise version of Linux and uh, just roll your own and sell it. It's kind of like, hey, wait a minute, we're doing all the work and then you guys are just taking it and rebranding it and selling it and we're losing money. So I kind of get the idea, okay? Because it was just basically the same uh, source code. Uh, I think there was like uh, Alma Linux, Rocky Linux, uh, a few others that used that, but uh, they're using the uh, CentOS Stream code base and mm -hmm. it's it's different it doesn't have uh but it it still works i'm not quite how sure how that, i know there was a big uproar about it but you know there's a lot more to the story and just to make it easier ours technica did a really good story and had great coverage so i was like you know what yeah let read that and then you can make your own decisions uh what do you what did you hear about this, Larry? I know you probably, you know, it was all over the internet. Yeah. So Red Hat really had two versions originally before Red Hat became part of IBM. Uh, they had the Enterprise Linux version, which was their commercial version, where they, quite frankly, made most, if not all, of the money that they made off of the support for the Enterprise Linux version. And then there was the community-based CentOS, which was essentially all of the same things that was in the enterprise version with the branding stripped out. And it was that CentOS version that was being copied. Now, maybe some of those other versions were using the enterprise version and stripping out the branding themselves. But 
that stripping out of the branding and making sure that it was all gone uh, is a lot of work, quite frankly. Um, so a lot of this changed when IBM purchased and absorbed Red Hat. And once an organization that is based in uh, open source gets incorporated into uh, a commercial enterprise like IBM, especially one that big, uh, oftentimes the interests of making a profit overtake the interests of maintaining open source. Now, part of what Red Hat and IBM uh, through Red Hat distributes is still open source. The source code can still be viewed and can still be redistributed, uh, especially the you know the CentOS stream as you called it. Um, but the enterprise version is a little more controlled, if you will. So that is probably oversimplifying. Uh, neither one of us works for Red Hat or for IBM, so we don't know the full story. But that's as I understand it. Yeah. So read Dar's Technica article and you can yeah. make your own decision. But I, it's it was such a big story that I didn't want to not mention it. So I uh, told you that uh, about this new... Uh, Linux distribution that is beginner friendly, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Arch Linux was not your first thought. But you're in luck. There's a new one called, I believe it's CatchyOS. It's spelled C-A-C-H-Y. <laughs> so I'm I'm sure it's like Cachy, but oh well. I will murder a name, as everybody knows. Uh, might be just what you're looking for. It's um, a uh, Right now they have a KDE version and a GNOME version. It's uh, you're using the Calamari's uh, installer. It's supposed to be very uh, new, user friendly. Um, I, I'm not going to recommend it just yet because I, I after I get done playing with Nix, I'm going to look at this. Uh, so many things, so little time, and uh, I have looked and uh, seen a few examples of it running and stuff. Um, I still would have a hard time saying this should be your first Linux uh, distribution, especially if you're brand new. I still say go with Ubuntu Mate, go with Ubuntu, go with Linux Mint, go with uh, like Zorin OS, anything like that, you know, for that's that you're not going to have to worry about the, you know, things changing so fast because if you bork something and you don't know how to fix it or roll it back, uh, on an arch system, it's it, it can cause problems, and we don't want to frustrate you. So, um, I still I think I still need to stress Ubuntu Mate is probably one of your best choices because you have so many options of interface and stuff that you can use. So that's mm-hmm. uh, just because I jump around like a madman does not mean everybody should. I do it because I'm weird and I like looking at all the different stuff and I have an attention span of a of a gnat when it comes to new distributions. Um, but that being said, any of the Linuxes that you download that are geared to new users doesn't mean that you can't use them as an advanced user. It just means that they're geared to ease you into the the open source world <laughs> and using Linux. Yeah, so, right. Um, I wanted to make that uh, clear, so I, I I I have to give. I know we sound like shills for Ubuntu Mate, but 
through through trial and error, Ubuntu Mate has always seemed to be there to make things easier uh, for quality of life. They're constantly increase, you know, making things easier to use, more polished. So, um, I have to say, I'm not a I'm not a shill for Ubuntu Mate, but I have to say, when it's the one of the best solutions out there, that's the one you I think you should look at first. And then once you get your feet your feet wet, then if you want to get into like an Arch, uh, Linux or whatever, then you could go to this one and, and kind of be uh, eased into using Arch. But I'm sorry, I got on a rant. I just wanted everybody to know that just because it's they say it's for new users, um, sometimes it's not the best place to start. Right. Yeah, and lots of folks will use. Ubuntu Mate, they will use Ubuntu, they will use uh, Linux Mint, um, or the various flavors of Ubuntu, and uh, use it quite productively. And as new users, as well as very uh, advanced professional users, as well as the Red Hat and uh, various other uh, versions of distributions, Arch and Manjaro and others that we talk about. But we don't test all of the distributions thoroughly. Uh, if we run across one that has promise of being one that we can recommend to new users, we'll test that out and use it for a while. And through our evaluations, Ubuntu Mate has come on top for new users. That's the focus of our podcast here. So that's why we're focusing in on new users, uh, quickly followed by Linux Mint and uh, maybe a few others. But between Ubuntu Mate and Mint, I think those are the two throughout this past year that we have recommended the most. And yeah. we're sticking with those until we find another one. And we're always on the hunt for another new user-focused uh, or new user-compatible, if you will, uh, Linux distribution that we can recommend. Yeah, that's that was a good way to see it. I I went on a little old tangent, but I just wanted people to know that there's no wrong answer. But anyway, it's open source. Do what you yeah. want. Uh, okay, another story here from 2023. According to Valve's monthly reports, the the gaming company. In July 2023, Linux overtook Apple's macOS as the preferred gaming operating system for the Steam platform for the first time in history. In July 2023, Linux overtook Apple's macOS on the Steam platform. And according to the data, Linux is used by 1.96% of all Steam users, while macOS counts for 1.84%. Small numbers, and the difference is even smaller. Do we know what the biggest portion is? <laughs> I mean, that's it's less than two percent for each of them. Yeah, you remember now. Um, you've got to kind of step back and see why this is impressive. Yes, it's not a lot, but you've got a uh, open source operating system that for the first time is now uh, used more than a a closed source 
uh, operating system by a what, what billion trillion co- dollar company. So yeah, it, it's pretty impressive, and you know that's yeah, it's not. We all know that Microsoft Windows is um, the, the the main gaming platform. Uh, but oh it is i didn't know that yeah oh, yeah, yeah goodness yeah. who knew you're funny. okay <laughs> but but you know it, like i said choice is good and linux even growing small amounts that's still a lot of users if you have 30 million users or 10 million users or whatever steam has and two yeah. percent of that <laughs> that's still a lot of users yeah, I don't mean to diminish the uh, accomplishment. That's uh, really impressive, for sure. Yeah, and uh, you have. To, I'm going to give uh, Val and Steam uh, some kudos. The Proton they're using is, I think, one of the uh, that's helped the Vulcan dry, you know, drivers and libraries have made things. So you know, they don't have to do this, but I think they're they're starting to see the writing on the wall and saying, well, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's not get rid of five hundred thousand uh, people that will buy our games. You know, it's it they they're doing it because they're uh, there's money to be made, and so I'm like, yeah, keep sending me, keep working on this so I can play my games because I'm running. A triple A brand new game under Linux using Vulkan and Proton, and it runs super great. So it's kind of hard to argue with. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I think we have one more story. Yeah, and this is a quick one. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, so the Linux creator and lead kernel developer, do you know who this is? Linus Torvalds. Yes. You yes. might have heard of him. I, I might, might, might have heard of him. <laughs> might have heard of him. Mm-hmm. So Linux kernel 6.7 is in the number of commits over 17K non-merge commits with 1K plus merges, one of the largest kernel releases they've ever had. And these are <laughs> so I guess they've been adding lots of support. And so it, the kernel's getting bigger. Uh, so, yeah, that's where all the drivers sit and all the, you know, video uh, for video cards and the AMD chips and the networking. So, Larry, the kernel's getting bigger. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what that means in terms of stability and scalability and everything else, but it kind of makes sense that the kernel would grow because the number of um, just drivers uh, for support needs to increase and maybe they're doing some trimming. I'm not a kernel developer. I don't know all the ins and the outs, but I hear bits and pieces. Hey, so let me just uh, explain just a little bit of this. Um, As the kernel grows, it's not a bad thing. It means that more and more hardware uh, is supported. Unlike some closed source companies, uh, Linux has been supporting, still supports uh, hardware that's no longer even supported by those companies. Uh, there's been talk that they might be time now. 32-bit systems. How they they right now there's still 32-bit support in the kernel for and what's that 20 year old mm-hmm. um, processors yeah, 15, 20. 
Yep. So, so they're supporting all this old hardware and ready and supporting new hardware with new drivers. So that's why Linux works so well on so many machines is that they, uh, they keep adding support. And of course it's going to grow. And as things get to where you can't, you know, there's not people using them. They'll trim it down and it'll shrink a little bit. But technology's moving so fast uh, that, hey, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't have a floppy drive. But it's nice to know if I can plug one in on my Linux machine and it will work. It's nice to be able to use hardware that you have. And uh, I'll just before I we end this, I want to see one of the reasons why this is so important is that, you know, uh there's Windows 11 is start is you know there's a lot of perfectly good machines that won't be able to upgrade from 10 to 11 because they're changing the way things are uh, supported. You have to have a TPN chip and all this other stuff. So you got perfectly mm-hmm. good machines. So the you know the nice part is uh, why they're getting rid of support. You still have the support, so you'll be able to install Linux and continue using that that perfectly good hardware for years to come. So that's why uh, the colonel is uh, and Linus and his team are, are you know, they do a lot of work then. They don't get a lot of thanks to get a lot of people complaining. But, uh, you know, when you think of Linux, it's the kernel. And the kernel's what makes it work. Yeah. And all the Linux distributions all use the Linux kernel. Yep. So... Anyway, those were just some of the things I found in 2023 that I thought would be interesting. It's non-exhaustive list of stuff, and I know it sounds um, mean, but it's things I found interesting. So, Larry, is there anything in 2023 you found interesting or you want to bring up, or did I pretty much bore you to death? No, you you gave me some things to think about that I hadn't um, I hadn't known about uh, that catchy OS has kind of a catchy name, and um, <laughs> that's one of those. Uh, and some of those I did know about, as we discussed. So I think those are some key things, maybe not even the most important things, but like you said, they're the things that caught your eye and you wanted to bring to folks' attention. And I think that uh, uh, we may have reviewed a few things for some people who were already familiar with those and provided some new things to look at for those who didn't catch some of these stories. So thank you for that. And we'll yeah. have links to all this in the show notes, of course. <laughs> okay. So I think okay. I think that was our last story of anything I wanted to bring up. So okay. what's our next episode, Larry? Uh, as always, our next episode will be a listener feedback episode. And until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.
Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.